today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. You can get people to do all kinds of stuff with lots of rules, but no gospel action. This is unfortunately, a lot of cults are built on this. There's no gospel, lots of rules. Convince them it's in their own self-interest. That's what happens, empty moralism. Or if you have a lot of God talk and just a few rules, but still no gospel, it's just dead spiritualism. You're getting in touch with your spiritual side. You're filling that spiritual part of your life, but not a lot of rules. Just do something in there that helps you feel good. That's just dead spiritualism. Those things cannot change the core of who we are. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Open God, He's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Genuine transformation to a person's character only comes from the gospel. There are many cults and false teachers out there that will tell you that you can attain salvation by doing works and by being a good person. This is not so. All throughout the Bible, it is very clear that there is no one that's righteous, no, not one, that we need a Savior. Our righteous deeds are as filthy rags before God, so we must lean on Christ's sacrifice for our sins. When you truly receive this truth, humility will flood your life. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 with our continuing study entitled, You Are, So Be. So in your heart, Christian, is there an urgency to change in light of the gospel and in light of what Jesus has done for you? The third implication is that the connection matters, okay? Paul says that we're to walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called. He's connecting the calling we've been called to with our walk today. And here's why this matters. A lot of times in my life or in my thinking, and when I read the Bible, I have like two buckets of stuff, okay, that I put things that I learn in. So I have a bucket of stuff for stuff that Jesus has done, and then I have like a separate bucket for stuff I'm supposed to do. So when I'm hearing the Bible or reading the Bible or whatever, I'm like, okay, that's a thing for me to do. It goes in this bucket. Oh, that's something Jesus did. It goes over in this bucket. And it's just like totally separate buckets. And I learn things to do. And I, I mean, I learn things to do over here. And then I learn things that Jesus has done. And I kind of keep them compartmentalized. And when I need to remember what Jesus has done, I go over to here. And when I need to remember what, I, 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 yeah, see, I, I, I did it again. Okay, I can't keep track of which bucket this is. I should have clearly labeled these before I started this illustration. Okay. Forget the buckets. They're just invisible. They're above us now. So, so there's a bucket, stuff that we're supposed to do, a bucket, stuff that Jesus has done for us, and we keep them separate, right? So if I need some stuff to do, I go to that bucket, and if I need to hear what Jesus has done for me, I go to the other bucket. For Paul, he says no. He says they need to be connected, and here's how they need to be connected. Paul, the way that I think about it is the gospel truth of what Jesus has done for us is an engine that powers everything that we are supposed to do. So rather than just compartmentalized and separate, think of your own engine and all of the, the, the pulleys and, le and stuff coming off of a, an engine itself. If you don't hook in what you're supposed to do to the engine of what Jesus has done, you're never going to get anywhere. You can push your car. You can manually crank those things all you want, but you're going nowhere fast, right? And, and they're, they're vitally linked. In fact, if, if you have the engine running, 
but you don't ever connect your own life to it, it's not going to do you any good either. You're just going to be idling in the driveway, revving the engine, wondering, why are we not going anywhere? See, for Paul, Paul is saying, therefore, in light of what you've been called to, walk worthy of that calling, and the connection matters. So here, remember, the big idea is this. The gospel power change says, you are this, so be this. And this really came home for me when I, uh, I was interning at a church in Maryland, and I had um, gotten into an ugly pattern of sin um, in my life that was painful and got revealed. And, and I remember having to call my pastor that I was working for. I was an intern at the church, having to call my pastor. His name was John. And I'll never forget it. I, I, I called John and I basically confessed, look, man, I'm really struggling with this. I haven't really talked to anybody about this. Um, and and I, you know, I felt ashamed that I hadn't talked to anybody about it before. I felt ashamed that I was struggling with it. And, and I'll never forget the first thing he did when I got on the phone with him. See, I was expecting him to go into, well, you know, as an intern, Ricky, this is, you know, we need to, we're really going to have to look at this pattern because if you can't get a handle on this, you know, you're going to have to leave the intern program or, you know what, here's, here's a strategy, man, that I can help you with for how to beat this sin. You know where he started with me? I'll never forget the first thing he said to me. He said, Ricky, thank you for calling and, let, and, and confessing this. I can, I can see that this, you know, that you're, you're pretty ripped up about this. Brother, the first thing you need to hear is this that Jesus Christ died for that sin because you've believed in him. And that when God looks down on you, he doesn't see you as, as somebody that's far from him, that needs to earn his way back into his grace. He sees you as a son. And so he is right here to help you right now. And I'll never forget that. That was life to me in that moment. Because I wanted to jump into all of the stuff I needed to do. Because in my heart, there was a desire, okay, I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to try harder. I was getting outside of the car and trying to push it up a hill without ever turning the engine on. And by God's grace, he turned the gospel engine on and began to connect my life to it. And he, we talked about the urgency of our, my need for change and how to connect the gospel and, and how the gospel has implications for this part of my life. But it started with who I was in Christ. And in essence, this is what he said in that conversation. Ricky, you are a son of God. So be a son of God. You are... You are holy and blameless in the sight of the Lord, so walk in, in purity and blamelessness. And that gospel connection gave me life. Church, I don't want empty moralists that come and spend time at our church and then go back home and try to do better and try to pick it up the next week. I, I want people who are soaked in the gospel of Jesus Christ so much that, that, that they understand who they are in Christ so much that it can't help but have implications for what they're to live like. So very briefly, let's look at understanding gospel-powered change. Hope, I, hope I've convinced you in, in, the, in that first part that, that you should see gospel power change in the Scriptures. I want to also help you understand how to make this change. So in essence, how to connect your life to the engine of the gospel so that you actually have real change. And if you've been around our church, we say things like we're gospel-centered and you need to apply the gospel to that. And a lot of times we have no idea what we're talking about. It's just, just it's like one of those things that you can say to people. I mean, I'm really struggling with this. Man, well, you should definitely apply the gospel to that. 
Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Mm. You know, and let's pray. And like, but, but what does that really mean? This is what I want to try to help a little bit with. Because if we just tell people, hey, apply the gospel, and we give no help in connecting the gospel to their situation, we're handing them a Hallmark card while they're suffering from a gunshot wound. They're like, thank you very much. My life is ripped up right now, but this inspirational card you've given me helps me feel so much better. We don't want to do that. And this is so important because um, outside the church and inside the church, without both the gospel truth and the gospel action, we're, we're completely lost. Outside the church, this is what this looks like before we get into this. Outside the church, if you have a lot of rules but no gospel, you get to empty moralism. So you get to how to be a better person in 10 steps, which I saw this week online. Or do this and this and this and improve your life. Self-improvement, this kind of stuff. And you can get people to do insane and impressive things if you convince them it's in their own self-interest, right? The, the, the other engine that makes the world go is our own self-interest. So if we can tie self-interest to like our lives and convince people, you know what, you're going to feel better if you do more good, that works for a lot of people. Like, man, you mean like by giving like this money to the, the little, you know, dink, you know, bell ringing Santa, I'm going to feel better? Yeah, watch, try it. And you do feel a little better. And so you're like, great, I'm, gonna, I'm suddenly a giver now. This is great. But you're not giving because it's like, oh, I want to bless those people. It's like, man, I, f- I love the way I feel when I give. This is great. Like, so you can get people to do all kinds of stuff with lots of rules, but no gospel action. This is unfortunately a lot of cults are built on this. There's no gospel, lots of rules. Convince them it's in their own self-interest. That's what happens, empty moralism. Or if you have a lot of God talk, And just a few rules, but still no gospel. It's just dead spiritualism. You're getting in touch with your spiritual side. You're filling that spiritual part of your life. But not a lot of rules. Just do something in there that helps you feel good. That's just dead spiritualism. Those things cannot change the core of who we are. But even inside the church, we get off. And we go the the wrong way. Inside the church, if you have gospel foundation, but no gospel action, you get hypocritical Christians. So if you hear a lot of truth and there's never a call to action, there's never any gospel-fueled change, that's dangerous. Because we've all known a guy who can quote the Bible, but whose life is messed up, right? This guy knows this verse and that verse, and he can quote this author and that author, and yet his life and his marriage and his family maybe are a wreck. That's hypocritical Christians with no gospel, well, no call to gospel action. But if you go the other way, if you have lots of calls to action, but no gospel foundation, you get passionately misguided Christians. So, so there's lots of, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, and yet there's no gospel foundation. And so they're passionate, but they're misguided. They're pursuing all these things. So, and this, this applies, this cuts, I'm, I'm going to push on this a little bit cuts both liberal and conservative persuasions, okay? The liberal version of this looks like lots of doing good, lots of social good, but divorced from gospel truth, okay? So people that are very involved in sort of social justice causes, community causes, but there's no grounding of that work in the gospel. So it's just good in general without really a mandate to take the gospel to people and to show and to connect the gospel to our actions so that people are both temporarily in this life helped and eternally helped through the the, the message of the gospel. And those people can be really passionate, but without gospel truth undergirding that. So we're all about helping the community, but without gospel truth, 
will be passionate but misguided. But on the conservative side, there's lots of culture war without gospel truth. So this looks like, you know, we, a lot of concern about whether we're following the Constitution with perhaps not enough concern at all about whether people are believing in Christ. So you can get people very excited about a political candidate, and yet without a gospel foundation, it's these passionately misguided Christians who maybe win an election cycle but have lost the war for eternity. So we need both gospel truth and gospel action. So what does that look like for us? Well, I can't do any better than Mike Bullmore does with his three circles. And so I'm going to show you this in the hope that it's going to be helpful. First, in the middle of our lives, there is the gospel, the engine that drives everything. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, Christ died for our sins. So this is the gospel. This drives everything else. But then out of that come gospel truths. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel truth, so the center of the gospel is we're justified by faith. And the gospel truth is we have peace with God because Jesus has died and our status has changed before the Lord and we're righteous and we've switched places with Christ and he took the punishment we deserve so that we could go free. We have peace. Peace is this gospel truth. Or Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So the, the gospel itself is Jesus died for us, and the truth implication is he's going to provide for us. His provision is shown in the gospel, and the truth is he's never going to leave us. He's going to provide everything we need. So, and then from there, we get into actual gospel conduct. So this is 1 Corinthians 6.20, which says, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So that's the gospel. The implication is this. So glorify God in your body. Do you like how Paul's logic works? It's like, you got your body, you want to do what you want, and in that context, the Corinthians were, were trying to say, hey, our bodies don't really matter. We're just going to do whatever we want. As long as we go to church and have the spiritual part of our life worked out, we'll be good. And so they were sleeping around and going into all kinds of sexual sin. And so Paul says, okay, you want some logic? Here's the logic. Who owns your body? Well, I do. No, you were bought with a price. Don't you remember the, the blood that Jesus shed for you? So, glorify God with your body. See, you understand how that's different than just stop sleeping around. See, you, you, you get the gospel engine going. He, he shed his blood for you to buy you back from sin. Why, why would you go back to that? So glorify God with your body. See, that has life and power to it. Ephesians 5.25, which I referenced earlier, says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Paul doesn't say, you know what, husbands, man up, okay? Now, now there, is a, there is a godly kind of man up, but, but in order that you first hear that Jesus died for you, he gave himself up for the church, so it's not just, just be better, it's Jesus died for you. He shed his 
blood for you. So you know what? Love your wife the way Jesus loved his wife. And as, as your heart begins to change, your conduct begins to change, as you see the gospel and the gospel truth and that ripples out into gospel conduct, your life is not gonna be the same. And very briefly, right here at the end, I, I wanna zero in on that last, that last ring between gospel truth and gospel conduct. How do we connect those things? Because that's for me where things are hardest sometimes. How do you connect gospel truth with gospel action and gospel conduct? Well, here's what I want you to think. Think about connecting your head and your heart and your hands, okay? Think head, heart, and hands. In, in our heads, it's important that we understand the gospel connection. So in, in Ephesians 4, Paul's going to exhort the church to unity, be be. Uh, Bear with one another in love and maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, right? But he's saying that in light of Ephesians 2, which says, you guys hated each other and God's brought people who are far off near, made them one family. So bear with one another in love and maintain the unity of the spirit. See that gospel connection? He's made you one, so be one. So it's important for us to understand the logical connections, um, Maybe you struggle with somebody in your small group. Maybe you just don't get along with them, okay? Make gospel connections in your head. Maybe you think, you think you're better than them. Well, the gospel reminds you, you're no better than them. Ephesians 2 says, look, man, you were both far off and you've both been brought near. It's not like you were less far off. You were like, you were both far off and you've been both brought near. So you got no room for boasting. And Ephesians 4 Reminds you, you have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father of all. You have more in common than you have uncommon. So, bear with one another in love. That's Paul's logic. So, it's important in these areas of, of life where we're trying to change to make a, a logical connection between the truth of the gospel and what we should do. But, here's another important thing. Our hearts also need to be connected to the gospel. Our hearts are powerful things, aren't they? Isn't it possible for us to know the right thing to do in our head, and yet our hearts are like, I don't really want to do that. So we show up to small group, and we see, I don't know, I'm just I'm trying to think of a name we don't have, Mr. Larrabee, Mr. Larrabee, whom who was super annoying, we don't like him, and we know we're supposed to love him, and yet our heart isn't in it, what do we do? Well, we need to allow the gospel to change our hearts and our affections. There's a Puritan pastor named Thomas Chalmers who wrote an article titled The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And in that, he argued that we sinfully love things and we sin because we love these things, right? So we sinfully love a high view of ourselves, and so we put people down because we like the high view of ourselves, right? We, we sinfully uh, desire to be um, maybe known, and so we promote ourselves in an ungodly way to be known. And that heart desire for that thing is what drives us. But, he says, the thing that can truly change us is when the gospel begins to change what we love. We will not change until the gospel changes what we love. See, the gospel, 
as we meditate on what Jesus has done for us, begins to work on our affections and our hearts. And as our affection for God grows, what happens to those other loves? It pushes them out, which is why it's called the expulsive power of a new affection. So this this love for God grows as a result of the gospel, and it begins to push these other things out of our hearts. And so while on a head level we know Jesus has made us one because of the gospel, when we allow the gospel to grow in our affections, when we don't just on a logical level know, Jesus died for me, I was far off and I've been brought near by the blood of Christ. But when we get that, when we get, I was far off. I was dead in the trespasses and sins in which I once walked. I was without hope and without God in the world. And yet he shed his blood and he brought me near and now I'm a son of God. See, that, that goes to work on your heart. So your head knows what to do, but your heart begins to change as a result of the gospel. See, sometimes, friends, one of the most effective means of fighting sin we have is not only saying, I'm not going to do that, but is to grow our love for God. See, this is why singing and praising the Lord is one of the most powerful weapons we have in our arsenal against sin. Because as we read scripture, as we sing what Jesus has done over us, as we pray it, things begin to happen in our hearts that on a head level have already happened. Okay, I see the gospel connection there. But when our hearts are engaged, things really change. So think, have you, have you connected your heart and your head to the gospel? And last, if you've connected those two, your hands will begin to, to do different things. And, and here's what you'll find. As you begin to make gospel change, as you begin to change you, the, your conduct, there's a force behind what you're doing. In Acts, the refrain over and over is that the word of the Lord, meaning the gospel, advanced. It went forward in power. It saved people. Things happened. In the gospel, in the book of Acts, the hero isn't the apostles. You ever notice this? The hero is not the apostles. They don't have a plan for like taking over the world. You know what happens? They show up, try to be faithful, and the word of the Lord advances because the gospel has dynamic power. As Mark Prater preached last week, in Colossians 1 pictures the gospel as bearing fruit and growing. So, so here's the thing, when you connect your head to the gospel, when your heart begins to change, and when you begin to get off the couch and make changes, you'll find there's a power behind what you're doing that you didn't expect. Because the word of the Lord comes with the power of the Lord. And, and as you begin to apply it to your own heart, it has power to change you. So here's what I want you to walk away with today. You are a Christian. You are bought. You are redeemed. You are saved. So be worthy of the calling to which you've been called. See your glorious calling in Christ Jesus. And then walk worthy. Hope in God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. It's a question for the ages, and sadly, existentialism has crept into the body of Christ. So where can we find the answer to these sorts of questions? Thankfully, our identity in Christ is clear in the scriptures. 
Pastor Ricky will explore this topic as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Elcantar of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to a computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number here at the church is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study and fellowship and even prayer. For more information, including driving directions, log on to betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The music that you hear each day on Better News Radio was provided by Sovereign Grace Music. We invite you to visit their website, sovereigngracemusic.org. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series entitled, Who Am I? from the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Better News Radio. 